0: I'm your host Matt Bergman and welcome to From the Hawks Nest. My guest today is Nancy Benz. She's a 2014 QU graduate with a BA in history. She also earned a master's in history from Western Illinois University in 2018 and she is currently the assistant curator of collections and exhibits at the Quincy Museum. Nancy, thank you for joining us.
1: Yes, Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: Your title of Assistant Curator of Collections and Exhibits at a Museum sounds a little intimidating. (laughs) Um, And you're also the volunteer coordinator, and and I imagine, of course, being at a small organization, you got to wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. Um, But walk us through the projects and the roles and everything that your job entails.
1: Yeah, so I come in every day and I go through our collections and take care of them, so any sort of preservation materials Um, so if a book is in bad shape you know fix the binding on it if something's broken try to fix it Um, and then rest of the time I spend curating our exhibits so that means creating our exhibits um, figuring out what we're going to do for the season what research needs to be done what items need to be picked up Uh, and then for the volunteer coordinator side I manage all our volunteers and I find volunteers and train them for docents or curation or anything that they're really interested in at the museum. And then I also do our social media. So I'm kind of all over the place.
0: Yes, (laughs) You're just kind of like the face of uh, Quincy (laughs) Museum. Um, Tell us about some of the professional groups and some of the community service groups that you're involved with.
1: Yeah, so I'm involved with Young Professionals. It's part of the Chamber, Chamber of Commerce here in Quincy. And then basically what it is, it's a networking uh, organization. And you meet up maybe once, twice a month, depending on what they're doing. And you learn about different organizations here in town. Um, you learn about different services. And then you also can network with people out, outside of your profession and inside as well. Um, and it's a lot of fun, so.
0: Cool, and um, you're also involved with the, the Clio Foundation? Yes,
1: yeah, so the Clio Foundation, it's an online um, uh, platform, and they do a lot of historic markers and uh, historic museums and things along that line, getting it out in the public, and they often have um, digital paths which means if you're in a city and it's known for its history, they have a digital pathway that you can follow on their website, and it can bring up any sort of information on the markers, the houses, the businesses, what have you. And it's been a lot of fun to write for them.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. You also, as if you don't have enough to do, (laughs) write for uh, newspaper articles for the Quincy Historical Society. I've read some of those. Um, over the years. What are some of the topics you've addressed in those articles?
1: So the first one I did was about um, the Quincy Museum and its history. So it was a residential place for about, oh, 50 or so years. And then it became a dormitory for Quincy University or Quincy College initially. Um, And then I talked about how it became a museum and that as well. And then I've also done some stuff with Woodland Home, which is now – Operated as Quinada essentially. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm currently working one on a woman here in Quincy that owned and operated her own bookstore in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. which is very uncommon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's cool. Uh, and I know you did a more extensive study as a student at QU and as a grad student about the uh, Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. uh, and about women's auxiliary in the 1920s. Can you talk to us somewhat about what you found out during that project?
1: Yeah, so it actually came to me. Um, I was really struggling to find a topic for my senior thesis, my second one. And for some reason, I had like, this sounds really weird to say, but I had like this dream and I grew up in a very rural town um, and it does have connections with the Klan. And for some reason in this dream, I just, I just saw like a giant fiery cross, like, you know, that quintessential symbol And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to know more. Like, why am I thinking about this? And so I started diving into the Klan's history when it started after the Civil War. And it progressed. And eventually, in the 1915 revival, there was actually a women's organization. So it was separate from the male fraternity side. Um, They still had the same values and things like that. Um, But it was... Very empowering for these women to be part of a secret society, so to speak, a very fraternal society. And so when they were able to have their own group or their own organization, they were able to implement these feminist ideals of the early 1920s that were coming in. So women being able to vote, uh, women being able to own land and divorce and know what's going on in her husband's life. So it's very interesting and my former professor, Dr. Wendell Mowder, he's always encouraged me to just keep diving into it. and Because it's not its not common knowledge that there mm-hmm. was a woman's side of the Klan. And, you know, uh, women have been involved in the Klan since the very beginning. I mean, who do you think were sewing the robes yeah. that the men wore? <laughs> or, you know, providing food for them when they were going out and having, you know, um, their meetings. Uh, so it's, a, it's always fascinating to me. And I'm hoping to uncover more as I go, um, but these women, they, they took those feminist principles and they twisted them to meet their bigotry, ideology, um, their racist ways in order to benefit them. Um, so it was a weird juxtaposition, but it's very fascinating to me. <laughs>
0: Well, and that kind of dovetails into some of the things you're working on with a manuscript that tells the story in our local area. Yeah. Um, And then you're even going to uh, teach a polis class.
1: Yes, I am. So the uh, manuscript's going to dive into more of the fraternal side of the organization because, to my knowledge, there was not an active women's group in this area, but we did have a very active group um, of the men going, and uh, they actually had a lot of book burnings, they did a lot of meetings with the, you know, that big fiery cross. Mm-hmm. Um, one happened in Ellington Township, so not too mm-hmm. far from where we're at, actually. And then um, for the polis class, I'm going to talk more about Mary Elizabeth Tyler. And she was one of the publicists for when the 1915 revival came around, um, William Joseph Simmons. He was the man behind it, behind the re- revival. And they hired her and her co-worker to basically bring up memberships. Their membership was very low in the beginning, but under her leadership, membership skyrocketed. And um, the groups that they, uh, I don't know how to phrase this correctly, but the groups that they decided to, um, be against so african-americans catholics jews people like that they're they expanded who they quote-unquote hated during that time and she was the sole woman behind it and she was the sole reason why a women's auxiliary group was um created wow so she's she's very cool um and cool i mean yeah that she did a lot for feminist movements of that time period she took those feminist principles and you know she divorced she married and divorced multiple times um she owned her own businesses she owned her own newspaper she did all these things even though they had a racist undertone um which you can't forget Uh, but she you know she was making something of herself and when she died um her child her only child you know kind of kept on to that spirit of you know just keep fighting forward and uh i just i just think she's a very fascinating woman and no one really knows about her and when you study the clan her name is kind of just mentioned Mm. and then that's it like they don't give her any credit or anything and i i personally believe that she was you know the sole reason why a woman's group became because she was having too much
0: power so wow Tell us about, um, well, let me start by saying this. One of the things that I love to do here on campus, but I really can't do it because I um, will stay way too long, is go into the university archives. Yes. Because I could stay for days in there, and I start going down these rabbit holes and reading articles and learning about, I mean, we've got information in there from, we have personal notes and personal letters that the presidents from the 1860s, when the school first started, wrote, you know, um, notes back to Germany and notes to the province and different things like that. And uh, there's so many cool pictures and old catalogs oh, and yeah. different things like they, that.
1: They have a plethora of things there and a lot of people don't know that, you know, they have other things besides... University history. Yes, yes. And I've, I'm actually there, oh, well, about once a week now. I'm doing a project for work, and we, um, the library here, has his collection. So I'm going through it and finding pictures and letters and things like that.
0: I just, I that my question was going to be how how do you keep in in your line of work? How do you keep from you, you, going you down could the get so hole. distracted. It would be so easy to get so distracted. It,
1: it is. Um, you kind of have to, what I do is if I find something that's interesting and it's different than what I'm there for, I kind of just put like a highlight in my book and then I come back to it when I have time. But sometimes, you know, you, you just go down the rabbit hole. You just <laughs> take it wherever it goes.
0: <laughs> oh my. It's, uh, yeah, I love it, but I can't do it. <laughs>
1: It's, yeah, it's definitely a discipline. (laughs) I guess
0: I need to come in on Saturdays and go in that room, huh? Well, let's take a brief break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Nancy about her recent publication and other projects that she's working on. And we'll chat about her time at QU and how QU prepared her for her career path. Stay with us. You're listening to From the Hawk's Nest. Have you dreamed of completing a bachelor's degree, but think you can't because you have to work full time? Quincy University's
1: St. Clair Professional Studies Program provides a flexible schedule for adults wanting to complete a degree. Our Professional Studies Program conveniently offers classes online and in the evening so you can work full-time while pursuing your degree. Take the next step in your educational journey. Visit quincy.edu.
0: And welcome back to From the Hawk's Nest. I'm your host, Matt Bergman, and today we're talking with Nancy Benz. She is a 2014 QU graduate and is currently the assistant curator of collections and exhibits at the Quincy Museum and really jack-of-all-trades for the Quincy Museum, as we've talked about. And Nancy, I know you've created, uh, co-created and authored an all-ages coloring book that highlights historical women who lived within 100 miles of Quincy.
1: Yes. Tell us about that. Um, I was scrolling through LinkedIn one day and I messaged a fellow creator and he had created other coloring books in the past that have done really well. And I was, you know, commending him on that. And, uh, we just started talking and I was like, you know, it'd be really cool if we were able to do history of people in Quincy, you know, have the illustrations of the person and then maybe something behind them that, you know, went with their history. Yeah. And so we just started talking and spitballing, and I'm always a proponent for women's history. And so we decided to do that, and we curated a list of just all different types of women from different backgrounds, and um, eventually we settled on, I think it's 16 women that are featured, uh, might be 18 I know it's somewhere in there, and yeah. um, they go all the way up from Takiyakuk, and they go from Hannibal. There's a couple from the um, eastern side of uh, Quincy, so like Macomb area, and then a bulk of them are from Quincy. But
0: Wonderful. That, that's an exciting project. What else are you working on?
1: A little bit of everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know you're working on um, a way to help some small businesses maybe.
1: Yeah. So um, ideally, I would love to have a small consulting business where organizations or people can come to me with their historical needs. And by that, I mean any research um, that they need done on their organization if they've been here for a long time or genealogy, if they're just looking to find out more about their family's history. Um, I don't think it's something that's really prominent in Quincy, and we have such a rich history here, mm-hmm. and a lot of businesses and organizations that have been here for decades, 100 years or more, um, They, from my knowledge, they don't really have like anything of a corporate historian or an archivist or anything like that, and I'm hoping that maybe I can be that person that they can come to if they are having problems Uh, preserving materials or finding out you know who worked here when or you know anything like that and i'm in the process of helping woodland home which was an orphanage here in quincy has been around for a hundred and i think 75 years roughly in some capacity and they have every single thing from the minute they were formed to now and they are needing some help with that. And so um, my sister-in-law works with Quinata and Quinata's inside the Woodland home. And so she reached out to me and asked if I could help them. And I'm working on it. They have a lot of things.
0: Yes. <laughs> Might take a while. Yes. <laughs> what was life like on campus uh, when you went to school here? What are some of your favorite memories and those sorts of things?
1: It was very chaotic, I remember, when I was here. And then um, some of my favorite memories were just listening to the lore of the campus. So if you walk underneath the kiosk, you're not going to graduate or you're not going to graduate on time. Um, I walked under it several times and I graduated on time, you but
0: busted the myth. I did <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I graduated with honors. So awesome. I mean, <laughs> um, and then I, since I was a history major, um, everyone knew when you were a history major, especially when you got to your senior year, uh, because you were always lugging around very heavy books and multiple books at that. And I just remember going to the library anytime I needed books for a thesis or a paper And coming back to the circulation desk with just stacks of books. And there was one time I had about 50 come in from interlibrary loan. And I knew, I was like, I'm not going to be able to carry all those. So I got a suitcase. And I got a wagon, and I strolled up to the library with both of those, and the circulation clerk just looked at me and was like, what in the world is happening? (laughs) And I'm just like putting them in one by one, (laughs) and I just go through campus with a suitcase and a wagon, and people just look at me like, oh my gosh, this lady's crazy. Like, what is she doing? (laughs) My roommates always made fun of me for it.
0: That's awesome. I mean, you're probably the only person that's ever taken a suitcase to the library.
1: Probably. (laughs) I I wanted to be efficient. I didn't want to break my back carrying, you know, 50 books because they're heavy books.
0: I'm sure. (laughs) That's a lot of books. (laughs) During your time here, I'm sure there were some professors that made a significant impact on your life.
1: Yes, there were um, quite a few. Um, Dr. Wendell Mowder, he was my history professor for World History and my senior thesis advisor. Um, I was also the student uh, secretary for the department, so I had really close relationships with all of them. Um, but Dr. Matter really... Just really took me under his wing and saw the potential in me and crafted that potential. And every day, I'm thankful for that. Uh, I'll see him at the library or somewhere here in town, I'll see him. And he just comes up and gives me a big old hug. And it's just the sweetest thing. Um, And then Dr. Caroline Collins, she was an English professor here. So she really helped me hone in on my writing and thinking outside of the box. And then... um, Probably Steve Swink. He was a psychology teacher. I still talk to him quite often. He's His wife actually volunteers at the museum. Oh. So I see him all the time. And then, of course, Dr. Megan McCarty. She really got me into women's history and gender history. And just thinking of the abnormalities and the things that are in the current underneath, you know, general public history. Um, and so, you know, think of those weird and outside the box things and just go for it. And that's what I've done.
0: You know, when people go to a museum, I think sometimes it can be overwhelming. Um, You're in this big building Mm -hmm. and you want to make the most of your time and you want to be able to see the things you're interested in and uh, um, all that sort of stuff. What tips do you have on touring museums, whether it's the Quincy Museum or the Museum of Industry and in Ch- uh, Science and Industry in yeah, Chicago? So,
1: um, my number one suggestion to people is to plan ahead. So, especially if you're going to a bigger place like the Field or the Denver Science Museum or anything really big and multi-level, um, and that's just to get the layout of the building understand, you know, what's being offered besides exhibits. I mean, some of these places have, like, IMAX theaters. Mm -hmm. So you want to get tickets beforehand. You want to find parking beforehand. You want to, you know, find out what you're really interested in. That way, when you walk in the building, you can automatically go to those things that you're interested in and spend quality time with those. And then you're not going to feel rushed to go through the whole museum. And you may not enjoy what you're seeing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I always tell people plan ahead, buy tickets ahead of time, even if there's a fee, because you don't want to stand in line forever. Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> um, and so yeah, but and, and then things when, sell
0: out. Yes. So
1: yes, and once you're in there, you know, just enjoy it. Don't try to stress out to see everything, hear everything. Just really, just enjoy being there with either your family or friends or by yourself. I go to museums by myself all the time. So. <laughs> And, you know, if it is multi-level, I suggest to people to start at the very top and then work your way down. Because by the time you go up all the stairs, you're going to be exhausted. Uh Especially if you start on the floor and first floor and you walked around, you know, for an hour and then you went to the second floor and you walked around for an hour. And by the time you get to the third floor, you're going to be tired. Yeah. And exhausted. And you just want to sit down and you're going to be grumpy. And you're not going to enjoy <laughs> your time. So start, start at the third floor and work your way down. Or whatever the top floor is.
0: <laughs> QU um, it prepared you for your career. Yes, um, definitely. Tell us maybe um, some of the things that stand out to you during that preparation.
1: So the first thing that stood out to me, especially when I went to graduate school, um, was the fact that our history department made all their students ready for graduate school or, or the workforce. You know, they treated it as a graduate program, and that was so beneficial for me when I went in, especially after taking a couple years off. Um, and I went in, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I know how to do this. And there's other students, graduate students, who are struggling. They're not catching on to the concepts. And, you know, we, they teach historiography here, And historiography is basically the history of history. (laughs) And it's very hard to catch on. Um, And, you know, I I remembered those skills and those uh, schools of thought going into graduate school. And so that helped me a lot. And you do a lot of writing here. And that really prepares you for graduate school and, you know, further research once you get out in the field.
0: Well, Nancy, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule at the museum to come and uh, join us today.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back.
0: And be sure to tune in next time for another episode of From the Hawk's Nest, where we talk to QU students, faculty, staff, alumni, and Franciscan friars to hear about their QU journey. I'm Matt Bergman, and remember, it's always a great day to be a hawk.